Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Notice if you would, with, go with me if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 27, which reads as follows. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, I thought what's kind of interesting is two blind men following somebody. I don't think you quite get that. Two blind men following somebody. So that's, that's a miracle within itself. Verse 28. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, interesting. He didn't say what the this was. He said, do you believe I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then in verse 29, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Notice the wording of Jesus here. According to your faith, let it be to you. Based on that, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. My faith. My faith. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your anointing, your presence in this sanctuary. You're already ministering. You're already touching the lives of your people. And Father, we thank you for this word this morning that is going to continue to minister, bring life, bring your purpose, bring uh, continue to increase our faith, bring better and bigger in our lives. And we continue to bind the enemy and cast them out. Plead your blood over these precious saints. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. We'll begin this message with a small word that has a huge meaning to us individually and somewhat corporately. The word my. My is a possessive adjective used to describe that which relates to me or myself. We hear this term or phrase in this generation or in this day, in the time we're living in, something like, I'm just doing me. In other words, I'm focusing on me and my own well-being, what makes me happy, and I'm not trying to please others. In fact, trying to please others can get you out of the will of God. Many of us have used that phrase from time to time, and some of us may use it a little bit more often. In some sense, the phrase may seem somewhat selfish, self-seeking or self-centered. Now, we don't want that particular aspect of the definition because that can lead to the sin of selfishness, which is a key component of sin. But in another sense, the phrase can be true and life-changing, especially when it comes to thinking, talking, and acting more like Jesus. For example, I'm taking care of my own well-being. If I'm taking care of my own well-being, it will cause me to pray more, forgive more, give more, love more, etc. I am concerned for my spiritual well-being. And taking care of what makes me happy will cause me to have more compassion for others, be willing to serve with a pure heart, I need to do me. And focusing on me will help me to become more serious about my own salvation and work on strengthening my faith, 
than I need to be about me. Bottom line is the results are biblically based. What I'm doing is causing me to become more like Jesus. See, my faith is essential for me to receive and experience and sustain my God-ordained blessings. And it will cause hindrances, obstacles, as well as delays and resistance to be removed from my life. See, when my faith is growing and maturing like it should, I start to experience my God-ordained blessings. And it causes hindrances to be removed, obstacles to be removed, delays to be removed, hindrances to be removed from my life. See, when my faith is strong, I can speak to mountains according to Matthew 17 and verse 20. Let's go to Matthew 17 and verse 20. Matthew 17 and verse 20. Notice what it says in Matthew 17 verse 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. So notice this. So Jesus said, he spoke to them. He proclaimed to them. Because of, notice the terminology he uses, your unbelief. Not his unbelief, but your unbelief. Your, you, you are weak in faith. You're unfaithful. You are faithless. And my question comes up, how did we get to this point? Because they were encountering a situation, and when they encountered the situation, they encountered it with unbelief. And so one thing I thought about is, many times in life, we're going to deal with situations. But how do we deal when we have to have faith to deal with certain situations? That means, what am I saying is, Before we get to the situation, God gives us time to prepare before we get to the situation. He gives us time to pray. He gives us time to hear his written and revealed word. He gives us time to make a decision to prepare ourselves spiritually before we have to deal with what we have to deal with. And when we deal with it, he says, listen, do you deal with it in faith or do you deal with it in unbelief? Are you weak in faith? Are you faithless and or unfaithful when you have to deal with it? Because we live in a time where we have to deal with all types of things that come into our life. Sometimes a doctor give us a report. Have we prepared before we got to the report? Sometimes we see our financial situation. How do we deal with our financial situation? It determines how much we prepare before we got there. Now, this is what you need to understand. God doesn't give you everything you're going to, doesn't tell you about everything you're going to deal with specifically, but he prepares you before you deal with it. What do you mean? Let me give you just a quick example. When we as a church here at OCC, before everything uh, went sideways, so to speak, or we dealt with the pandemic, God was dealing with us about how we think how we talk, and how we act. He was preparing us. And so when it hit, he said, are you going to deal with it in faith, or are you going to deal with it in unbelief? 
It's a decision all of us had to make. But this is the problem that these individuals had. They were dealing with this situation in unbelief. And we don't want to be a people, uh, a body of believers that deal with life situations in unbelief. We want to be individuals who walk by faith and not by sight. Because life is going to happen. Life is going to deal with you, all types of uh, things that come in your way. But the question is, how do you deal with what life brings your way? How do you deal with it? Do we deal with it in faith or do we deal with it in unbelief? And so he says it's because of your unbelief. So by the time they dealt with this situation, they were in unbelief. They were in a situation where they were weak in faith, unfaithful, and faithless. But, but this is what he says. For surely I say to you, if you have faith. So he's not, and one thing when I looked at that, when he, when he makes this statement, he's not saying you need a whole bunch of, bunch of, bunch of faith. He said you need faith the size of a mustard seed. Now that means you don't really need a whole lot to get some things done, but you need some to move on what you got to do. Now this is powerful to me because if you have faith as the size of a mustard seed, you're going to say something. Now, you can't move the mountain, but you can speak to the mountain. Good God Almighty. You can speak to a mountain, and you ought to know by now, if you ever tried to move just a, a small mound of dirt, you sure ain't going to move no big old mountain <laughs> up the way. He says the mountain. I thought about the mountain for a moment. How did it get to the point that it's a mountain in our lives? How did it get to the point where, let's see, I was thinking about this. Now, you could uh, uh, come to a situation where the mountain's already there, or it could build its way up to a mountain-sized problem in your life. And I thought about this. You could be in a situation where you've allowed anger to build up for so long that anger has become a mountain in your life. You have been, listen, you can allow frustration to build up in your life. That frustration has, has become a mountain in your life. You have, you can allow insecurities to build up so much in your life that insecurities become a mountain in your life. See, mountains are not necessarily something that's been there all the time, but sometimes you can allow these things to become a mountain in your life. What's a mountain? A mountain is two definitions when I deal with it when it comes to mountain. A mountain is something that is a raised piece of earth on the earth, I see raised piece of earth crust on the earth, or it's an object that is difficult to move. An object that is difficult to move. What do we listen? Sometimes we can allow things in our life to build up so much that it becomes difficult to move. Frustration becomes difficult to move. Insecurities become difficult to move. Jealousy becomes difficult to move, to move. Insecurities become difficult to move. But Jesus says this, if you will say, good God Almighty, if you will say to your insecurity, if you'll say to your frustration, if you'll say to your life, if you'll say to your sickness, if you'll say to whatever it is, that you're dealing with, move. Think about this. You can't move in no way. We're the 
one that allowed it to build up to in the first place. I thought about this. When I let a mountain come to my life, it wasn't, I don't think it was God that built that mountain in my life. That was me. That was me. Continue to build, allow the enemy to build frustration, build doubt, build unbelief, build frust, uh, uh, anger, build jealousy. I allow the enemy to build a mountain in my life. But I love, what I love about God, He said, you don't need much to get rid of it. You know, all you gotta start doing is have faith enough to say. You know what I love about that text? He didn't say you gotta say in Jesus' name. He just say. Because a person that walks by faith is not depending on themselves to move the mountain nowhere. They're depending on God to move the mountain in their life. So if I speak to a mountain in my natural mind, I can't move a mountain. Now, I, I, let me give you one, another example I thought about. Near our house, uh, they had taken dirt from somewhere. And they just literally put it up in a certain spot. I mean, literally, it, is, it started... At one level, it's probably taller than my building, our house now. This building right here, right now. And it just kept built. They kept bringing the dirt. They didn't ask, I don't know if they asked, they didn't ask me could they bring the dirt. They just kept bringing the dirt. They kept bringing the dirt and all of a sudden they kept building. That's why, but it gave me an illustration that you can, you can keep bringing dirt in your life and dumping it in your mind and you'll start, this stuff begins to build up in your life. You can, you can, you can let negative folks keep dumping stuff in your life. You can let uh, people start dumping stuff in your life. You can let a job or a business dump stuff in your life. You can let unbelievers stop dump stuff in your life. The problem is you're not saying nothing as they dumping it. You're not saying anything. You're, you're, you're letting them keep dumping. You're not saying, hey, why you keep dumping this stuff in my life? This is not me. This is not who I am. But once you come to yourself, once you say, hey, this ain't me. I'm a faith walker. I walk by faith and not by sight. So let me say to what you're trying to build in my life, move. (laughs) I'm not asking you. I'm going by what God told me to do. He told me to say to the mountain, move. Move. Move jealousy. Move unbelief. Move doubt. Move fear. Move sickness. Move whatever it is trying to build in your life. Move. Everybody say move. move. And so you got to say to him. But notice what he said. He said, don't, don't think it. He said, say to the mountain. Say to the mountain, move. Move. Now let me give you some more on this, in this, from this topic, or from the scripture, I should say. I believe that Jesus knew the necessity for us to be concerned about our own challenges that we face, and we don't need to face it with weak faith. See, weak faith won't do nothing. Weak faith won't say anything. Weak faith will just let people do whatever they're going to do and you not say anything. See, weak faith, you got to, uh, weak faith will cause people, will, will allow people to dump in your life and you not do anything about it. Jesus goes on to say that in my, this is my estimation, a characteristic of a faith walker is one who has enough faith or conviction in the written and revealed word. They will speak to something that is difficult to move because they're trusting the Holy Spirit will move the unmovable. They're saying the Holy Spirit, I trust you to move the unmovable. 
I trust you, God. I can't do this on my own. In fact, it would wear me out if I tried to move a mountain. But God, I know you can move the mountains in my life. I know you can move insecurities. I know you can move when I'm dealing with fears. I know you can move these things from my life because you are that type of God. And God can move the obstacles from my life that seem insurmountable or those things that are great to overcome. For example, it could be a mountain of debt, a mountain of infirmity, a mountain of problems. And problems are real, y'all. I'm not denying you got problems, but the thing is, speak to the problem. Don't let it just build up in your mind. See, a problem will try to overtake your mind if you're not careful. See, this is, this is what's dealing with my faith. My faith, I gotta have faith to say something. See, unbelief is the opposite of believing or having faith. Unbelief uh, means to be weak in faith or faithless or unfaithful. Unbelief is when our thinking, talking, or acts become unfaithful. And unfaithful has to do with being fickle, untrustworthy, not faithful to hearing and applying God's written and revealed word. It's a tendency to rely on our senses, such as what we see and feel, rather than what is written or revealed. You know, and another thing I want to bring to your attention that you need to take heed to, I truly believe the Holy Spirit was dealing with it about, we need to prepare ourselves to deal with life. We need to prepare ourselves. That's why you come on a Sunday morning. To prepare yourself on Sunday afternoon, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so forth. You prepare yourself to deal with family. You prepare yourself to deal with your doctor. You prepare yourself to deal with your checkbook. You prepare yourself to deal with whatever comes up in your life so it don't become a mountain in your life. Because a mountain is hard to move. A mountain is hard to move, no doubt about it. But let me say this to you, it can be moved, though. There's not one mountain standing right now in the United States of America that God can't move. Not one. I don't care how solid it sounds. I don't care how much they put on it. God can move every mountain it is. But listen, I thank God he can move those mountains. But you know what I'm more, more appreciative about? He can move the mountains from our lives. I thank God he can move the mountains from our life. Even being a student, God can move mountains from our life. Thank God he can. Eh? No doubt Jesus knew that when we adjust or maintain our lives based on what we see or feel and so forth, uh, we will limit his power from operating in us and through us, especially if we don't do it the way he wants it done. In my opinion, just as Jesus knew the impact of their unbelief as well as our unbelief, he also knew the potential that our believing can release in our lives. He sees the potential that believing and trusting the Lord wholeheartedly can release in our lives potential for miracles, potential for manifested blessings, and so forth. The potential to receive his promises when we have individual as well as corporate faith. Again, Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith, Faith is conviction that what God says is true. What he promised will come to pass. A belief in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Then you will say, you will speak or you will declare to this mountain, a mountain is the elevation portion of the earth. 
Again, the definition we've been dealing with, an object that is difficult to move, move. Hallelujah. Move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing will be impossible to you. And sometimes we need to move the doubt of unbelief in our own minds. So in turn, nothing will be impossible to you. Because sometimes it's not the enemy that's throwing the daggers, it's us throwing the daggers. I don't know if God can do this yet. I don't know if I got enough, I don't know if it's timing yet. I don't know if I, no, God can do all things, say what? Damn. And why can't God use you? Why can't God use you? Why can't God use your faith to do great things? Why can't God use you, amen, to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover? Why, why can't God use you to go out and witness somebody and share the good news of Jesus? And why can't God use you to do things in life? Why can't God use you? But sometimes we have to remove the doubt from our own minds. Because that mountain had gotten so big, I can't do this. Why can't you do it? If it's in the will of God, you can do it. Ooh, somebody say, point to your senses, I can do it. That's it. And sometimes we got to remove the doubt from our lives. Move. Jesus continues in the second clause of Matthew 17, 20 by saying, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Move means to go from one place to another. Depart from me. So every time I got doubt, I, I say, doubt, get out. Fear, get out. Unbelief, get out. Frustration, get out. Anxiety, get out. Whatever it is, I need to tell it to move. If I, when the Holy Spirit reveals it in my mind, I need to tell it to get out. Now, this is what you need to know. It ain't going without a fight. It's basically been there for a while. Lord, look how y'all looking at me now. It's not going without a fight because some of the, sometimes these thoughts, they, they got a home in your mind. They'll shed, set up a place in the corner of your mind and they'll, they'll bunk it down. They got a lamp stand. They, they got a TV and they're there waiting for you to do something by faith. Oh, they're trying to act by faith now. And you, you got to evict them thoughts from your mind. How you do it? With the word of God. That's why I said you need faith. But but I love about God, he says faith the size of a mustard seed. One of the smallest seeds that it is. And you can do it. You can do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But understand this, you got to have a lifestyle of hearing and applying God's word. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says, if I say to you, if you have faith, conviction of what God says in his word will come to pass. You can begin to speak to mountains or out of control things in your lives that are difficult to move and they will move. And, and God is absolutely right. God knows what's in your life. He knew it before he made this statement. That's why difficult and stressful things will have to depart from our body, our finances, relationships and such like and move to another place. Now what's interesting about it he says they're going to move or depart and go somewhere else. Where if they're leaving one person, don't let them come and jump on you. Well, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. There were in the book of 
In, in Acts, Paul was casting out this demon. And, and in one instance, I'm going to go into all the detail, it basically jumped out of one and jumped on somebody else. So you can't be around some folks because some folks, you got to be, you got to be prayed up when you go around. Because when demons start leaving folks, you got to be watching. Got to be watching. You got to have enough faith. Oh, they acting funny. I ain't going to start letting them act funny on me. There may not be a demon jump out that looks so subtle. But sometimes when people talk negative and doubt and unbelief and you're in that atmosphere, you got to be careful not to let that toxic talk get off on you. It could be your own family. You say, oh, well, that's what y'all believe. That ain't me. Because what? We're faith walkers. Faith walkers don't talk like unbelievers. But unbelievers do talk. Don't think unbelievers don't say nothing. Unbelievers always spewing out negativity, doubt, fear, anger, and so forth. And if you're not careful, it'll get off. That's where you have to continue to be a faith walker, have your faith built up like it needs to be. Jesus finished out the text by saying, and nothing will be impossible, out of the question, unbearable, unmanageable to you. See, faith walkers understand and believe that God can move them out. They believe that. Now, let me say this to you. Mountains, I've been on top of Stone Mountain before. I've been on top of other mountains before. I couldn't imagine trying to move a mountain on my own. All right, dogs, what you're going to do? You're going to take this shelf right here. You're going to dig out the mountain. I would quit just the thought of it. <laughs> Y'all following? So what God is saying to us is this. The mountains that try to form in our minds, we can move those. We can speak and let God can move those mountains out of our life. Now, I like mountains. I like to look at scenery, especially uh, not during the cold time, but during the spring times. Fall times. They're pretty to me, the leaves changing, all that kind of stuff. But I still don't see myself moving no mountain, naturally speaking. But God says, if you believe God can move it, he can move mountains out of your life. Now, one of signif- what's significant about this text that relates to today's message is, is Jesus' consistent use of the words you and your. See, this, the scripture begins with your belief. I say to you, if you have faith, you will speak. The amount of faith from my natural perspective that Jesus says that we should have is the size of a mustard seed. See, mustard seed faith is, is in God that, and people that trust him wholeheartedly, they trust his results that will cause mountains to be removed from our lives. And this is what I need, need you to understand. When you speak to that mountain, trust God with the results. No matter how long it takes for you to get free from that particular mountain into your life. It may take a while, but that's okay. God can move a mountain like that, or it may take time. But trust God with the results. I have to ask myself, what mountain do I need removed from my life? Jesus is telling us how significant my faith is when it comes to activating or moving the mountains from my life. Is it a mountain of debt, a mountain of sickness, a mountain of disease? A mountain of hurt, a mountain of pain, 
a, a mountain from my past, a mountain of stress, a mountain of anxiety. Whatever it is, and it's affecting me mentally and physically, I need God to move it. Now, what I found out is that sometimes people try to move mountains with natural means. They'll try to move mountains with drugs. They'll try to move mountains with devices that are ungodly. They'll try to move to mountains, but those mountains only create bigger mountains, in my opinion. We need what God gives us in his word to move the mountains from our lives. One thing I had to ask myself, why did I let this mountain build so high in my life? Why did I let it get, it started out small, but why did I let this thing get so big in my life? Without doing anything about it. Because if I assess that, then in the future, I won't let that mountain get so big. When I see it build, oh, you did that once before. This time, this time, no weapon that's formed against me shall be able to prosper. I see, see, you start, when you start assessing that, you'll see the enemy trying to build mountains in your life. He'll try to build one here, try to build one there, try to build one over here. And every time you build, you're going to start speaking to that mountain. Get out of here. Move. Because you're not going to allow it to happen again. Now, mountains, obstacles, hindrances, and so forth. Elevated matters are real. They can use, excuse me, they can cause us to miss out on God-ordained promises. But we mature to the point, we mature to the point that individuals can say things to us, may shake us, but we ain't going to let them build no mountain. They can say, the doctor can say something, but we say, hey, oh, it's shaking by his stripes, I'm healed. Sometimes you can look at, you can go, this probably never happened to y'all, probably never happened to y'all. You think you got so much money, you pull your account up, and if you ain't careful, it can shake you. I thought I had more. Shake you. Then you're like, oh! God will supply the need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Individuals can say something to you, almost shake you, but you say, hey, God's renewing my mind with the word of God. You'd be like Jesus when he was tempted, well, dealing with the enemy over in the wilderness. He tried to shake him, but God just kept quoting the word to him. Kept quoting the word to him. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. See, he kept quoting the word on him. And that's what we got to do. Keep quoting the word and the word will move the mountains from our lives. Are y'all seeing this? Now, we can see how important it is for us to develop our personal faith in Jesus in his written and revealed word. We have to strive daily to trust him wholeheartedly, which prepares us for these moments when we have to be walking by faith and not by sight. See, daily devotion will help you to prepare for when you have to deal with these situations in your life. See, now when it's, you get to the point and you're maturing to the point that when they say talking about talking fun of your job, you're like, hey, God's still going to supply my need, whether it's this job or somebody else. They say it can't be done. Well, 
God can do all things save fail. Why? Because it's you're going by what you hear and see as a faith walker. And not by what people and situations are telling you. I'll be honest with you. You're probably going to deal with another situation sometime in 2022. I'm not trying to prophesy doom and gloom on you. I'm just trying to get you to face this reality. Prepare yourself now for when you deal with it. It may shake you, but you're not going to stand on your shaking. You're going to stand on what God said. Because that's how you're building your faith. That's why it's important that faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, our salvation has to be personal to us and valuable to us. We must be intentional about our faith, excuse me, walking by faith and not by sight, and adjust our lives to maintain that faith walk and not based on how, what we see, what we feel, or what we hear. We have to be led by omniscient God, omniscient God or the Holy Spirit. We must see, we must see and operate in our deliverance, our protection, and our prosperity and see them as valuable. When something is important and valuable to it, you cherish it. You, you care for it and you invest in it. How do you treat your faith? How do you treat your faith? Remember what he said? According to your faith. Not his faith, but according to your faith. How do you treat your faith? How do you, how do you invest in it? How do you prepare yourself and build your faith up? See, in other words, we give time and effort in order for it to be better and to make us better. We must invest in gaining and gaining and maintaining and growing and maturing our salvation. Jesus made the most essential investment by shedding his blood so that we can access our salvation, our deliverance, our protection, and our prosperity. However, I must invest in my salvation by praying coming and attentively listening to God's written and revealed word through regular church attendance, worshiping him in spirit and in truth, and so forth, as the Holy Spirit guides me. Investments, especially personal investments, are important to this real call in my life. For example, if I want a strong, healthy marriage, I must invest in my marriage by getting good teaching, date nights, spending quality time with each other, loving and supporting each other. If I want a healthy body, I must invest my body in getting proper rest, drinking water, (coughs) cutting back on sugar and fried foods, exercising, learning more about how to best care for my body as I mature through life. And that's real. That is real right there. If I want God to deliver me from fear, insecurity, anxiety, and such like, I must invest in building my faith in his word to the point I trust him to rescue, deliver, protect, and cause me to prosper, despite the fact that those thoughts try to creep in my thinking and my conversation. See, day devotion time is another thing I must invest into. Even if the enemy say I don't have enough time, I got, even if I got to pray on going to work, I'm going to pray. Anybody tell you, cause, you know, it, it's probably happened to nobody in this room. I'm give you what happened to me, okay? So you don't fall for that okie doke that he pulled on me. He got me. I'm like, he got me, bro. He got me. More than one time, too. He'll tell me, you can sleep a little longer. You can sleep a little longer. 
you can sleep a little longer. And so now I'm jumping in my clothes sideways, running out the door. No time for devotion time. No time to spend in the Word. No time. Open scripture. What for what? <laughs> so what I, got, what I do is I say, well, now I'm just going to pray I'm going to work now. I'm going to pray right into the car. I'm going to, you know, listen, it may not be no long, no time and so forth, but I'm going to do something. The end say, don't do nothing. You ain't got time. You, you slept too long. That happened to me. Got me with the okie doke. You don't know about the okie doke, bro. You're too young for that, I guess. He got me. Got me. Say, hey, you, you, you just overslept. Now you, you're going to be late. You know, I hate being late. So, <laughs> and so now I, he got me. So now I, I spent, it spent, instead of spending 15 minutes with him or 10 minutes with him or five minutes with him, I spent no time with him. But what if I just spent two minutes with him? Two minutes could have been the difference between something that is, you know, two minutes is more than zero minutes. Did everybody get that? Is that too deep for people in the sanctuary? We don't let the enemy take you away from your devotion time. And sometimes your devotion time may not be 15 minutes like you planned it out. Like you set your clock. Oh, I'm going to set my clock for this time right here. I'm going to set my clock. You mess around and you wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Your alarm is set for 5.30. You finally fall back to sleep at 5.15. Clock go off at 5.30. And you got to make a decision. Lord, I said I'm going to spend time with you. I need these 15 more minutes. <laughs> Woo! Got me with the okie doke, y'all. Because I fell for it. I fell for it. Got, went, went on back to sleep. Got the 15 minutes. Actually, in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, <laughs> got dressed, went out the door, and instead of spending two minutes, at least I could ride down the road and talk to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, woo, thank you for waking me up and let me see another. And forgive me, God, I said I was spend 15 minutes with you in the morning, but I actually spent, in, you know, these two minutes, this only minutes I got between this point and this point. Are y'all following me here? And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I don't want y'all to fall for the okie doke like he got me. Wait, I get okie doke. Is that? Y'all get that? Y'all got, I don't know. Y'all got this? Y'all got that? We're going to spend time with Jesus, is that right? And, when, and, and if it's just a few minutes, few, two minutes is better than zero minutes. Let me say this to you. One minute is better than zero minutes. If nothing but say, Lord, have mercy on me. Woo! It's better than saying nothing. Because one of the things he's giving us in this text is to say something. Speak to the mountain. Say to the mountain in your life. When you start learning how to say, you'll say to all types of different things. So y'all follow me here. Now, Paul goes on. Oh, excuse me. Because of my trust in God, the mountain will move or go from one place to another. God can move the opposite from our life that seem insurmountable or some things that are great to overcome. See, it's up to me to make the investment in my faith so that I can possess mountain-moving faith. Paul gets personal just as Jesus did about our personal faith and salvation in Philippians 2. He continues to let us know how personal our faith is and how personal our salvation is as Christians. We can't afford, afford to be just Sunday morning Christians. OCC, we will not be just Sunday morning Christians. This is our lifestyle. 
Tuesday we're Christians. Wednesday we're Christians. Thursday we're walking by faith and not by sight. Friday evening we're walking by faith and not by sight. Notice what, uh, one, one scripture that, um, Moses wrote about. We meditate on this word day and what? Night. I know y'all remember that one. Paul makes it clear that we have to obey God's word when we're in the presence of spiritual leaders and our sisters and brothers in Christ as well as when we're away from them as well. Go to Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. <laughs> Paul was saying, you've obeyed me, you've listened to me, and you submitted to me. But you did it in my presence and also in my absence. He learned how to obey God in every area of his life. Now, notice he said it to the beloved. The beloved or the esteem of those who are loved by God. Believers, that's important that we listen attentively and submit to God's word in my presence or when I'm with you or when I'm not in your absence, being absent from you. In other words, obey God all the time. Obey God all the time. He goes on to tell them the latter part of Philippians 2 and 12. He says this, work out your own salvation. Work out. Bring about a result. Do that which brings about a goal. One of the goals I want to share with you this morning is this. One of my goals in, in talking and loving Jesus is this. And I will share this with you. And I, I know it may be it's simple, but to me, I want you to understand about your devotion time with Jesus. One of my goals in my devotion time is to know Jesus better. Know Jesus better. Know Jesus better. One of my goals... Notice what he says, work it out. I want to know Jesus better. I want to know Jesus better. I know you say, Pastor, that seems kind of simple. But to me, it's everything. Every day, I want to know something about Jesus that I didn't know before. I want something about the revelation of his word that I didn't know before. Now, you say, Pastor, I just learned something very simple. Well, simple Leaves, it just builds your foundation, it builds your faith, it builds you up so you know him in a better way. I want to know something. One of my goals, when I say work out your own salvation, I want to know Jesus better. That's one of my goals. When I look at, when I open up the scripture and I start reading, I'm reading, what did I learn about Jesus in this particular text? Sometimes you got to dig a little deeper to get it, and sometimes you have to go, you know, it's, it's kind of obvious. But you should know something about Jesus more than when you picked it up. Now, let me say this to you. I hope you learned something about Jesus today, and you got more enlightened or more uh, opened up to him than when I first got started. That's me feeding you knowledge and understanding as Scripture has proclaimed for me to do. But it don't stop today. What about Monday? What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Now, I know you're going to learn all types of stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But what do you know about Jesus that you didn't know 
yesterday. And you say, well, I, I'm going to run out of things to know about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is far too vast for you to run out of stuff to learn about him. By the time you can spend every day, every second of your life learning about Jesus, and you, and you will scratch the surface, that's all. Because you will never know everything about Jesus. But you should know more about him in 2022 than you did in 2021. You say, just January, February, I know. You should know more about Jesus than you did in 2021. It should build upon one another. Work out your own, your own, that which is personal to you, your faith, with fear and trembling. With fear, dread, and terror, and trembling. One who's, uh, in other words, you don't trust your own ability, you're trusting God's ability. You're not trusting your ability, you're trusting God's ability. Give me a few minutes, I'm going to close. We're going to have to deal with this some more. There's a lot in this. Let's go to Matthew 9. I'm just going to finish it up in here. Matthew 9. Matthew 9. I'm going to start at 27. And Jesus departed from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. I don't know how much they built their faith, but they had enough faith. Two blind men following somebody. That's a lot of faith. Y'all don't get that? People that can see have a hard time following Jesus. So two blind men are following Jesus. It goes on to say here, that, no, and they were, as they were following him, they cried out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. But notice what he said in verse 28. And when he come into the house, notice, David followed him into the house. I don't know how far he went, but they followed him. They were, they were not... They wouldn't let no, nobody stop them from following Jesus. And I don't blame them, neither. You don't let folks get in your way of following Jesus. You don't let your personal weaknesses get in the way of you following Jesus. Ooh, that's good right there, God. Thank you. Hmm. Verse 28, he said, and he said, excuse me, and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. <laughs> and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Woo. Do you believe I'm able to do this? In other words, is your faith to the point, have you allowed your faith to be built up to the point that you know that I can do this? Do you believe I can heal your body? Do you believe I can deliver you? Do you believe I can keep you after you've been saved? Do you believe that I can prosper you in the middle of a famine? Do you believe? That he's able to do this. And those the response. Yes, Lord. Lord, he recognizes that you're Lord over my life. You're Lord over my life. Is he Lord over our lives? Is he Lord over our lives? And then he goes on to say, 29, then he touched her eyes saying, according to your faith. Let it be to you. Now you know, well, there's a lot in this, and I'll probably have to talk about this a little later. They never asked him to open his eyes. Did you read anywhere where they asked him? To open and let me heal my body? 
heal my eyes. But what did he say? According to your faith. They had enough faith to believe that God can do this. There's a lot in this. I want to get to make this a lot in this. I haven't even. They believed that he could open their eyes. Now notice this. I always read anywhere where they said, Lord, will you open my eyes so I can see? No, he just said, Lord, I believe you can do this. Do you believe I can do this? He said, yes. And then he touched them, and their eyes were open. But notice what it was based on. Their faith. Their faith. What is it in your life that you believe in God for? Because it's going to be according to your faith. It's going to be to you. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.